we're back again with another episode of Nobody's News Podcast. This is number four we're at right now. Here with my co-host, Will, and we also have the Nobody's News weather girl listening in. She's um, in training <laughs> in, her, in her role of weather. Orientation. In orientation as her Orient. role of weather girl, so... Um, she might be chiming in start. here and there, but other than that, she'll be in the studio. Broadcasting from an, yep, broadcasting from an undisclosed location. Yep, and we might have some other people dropping in at some time, but we'll uh, we'll deal with that when it comes along. We have, so we're a news. This is a news podcast. It's um, you know, like we're not always dedicated to breaking news things, but. Um, now that this is, uh, let's see, February 8th, Thursday, and a guy by the name of Tucker Carlson just recently today released an interview with uh, Russian uh, President Putin. And we were talking about this a little at, uh, before the recording, and Tucker Carlson has been a pretty divisive subject in the paranormal and conspiracy space i mean he's i think it's i i would have to guess it's probably split down the middle about people that either believe he's a disinformation agent gatekeeper or that he's one of the few legacy media people willing to um deal with topics uh, so will when because i didn't get a chance to listen to any of this uh, interview that just came out uh, do you like? Do you really? I do you think that Tucker Carlson really did? Um, uh, let's say, do you think his interview was something that staved off some kind of disaster? <laughs> I do. I believe, uh, based off of even our own lounge chat a week ago, uh. There was substantial evidence to be made that somebody had given the order. And I didn't believe that we had the logistics on the ground. Uh, what it, The fighting season wasn't even close to being where we would want it. But that's one of the things we would use as an element of surprise. And uh, I believe that that may have been a factor in the analysis of going forward. It specifically... Like I said, what we had seen already being published. And then I think Tucker Carlson took it upon himself to go to Moscow and do exactly what no one else would have had the balls to do. And that was essentially in the event of a nuclear exchange, he was putting himself in front of ICBM's international incident that has now already culminated into this viral uh, draw, you know, that has now manifested throughout all of the media. And I believe that's why it has been such a uproar, because they are trying to steer the conversation away from the fact that I believe Tucker Carlson averted World War III. I believe he averted a, a nuclear exchange by his presence being there in Moscow. And I now can confirm after with what I've seen with the interview, his intent was not to just 
stave off a nuclear exchange, but open up the door for peace talks in some way, shape, or form, and at least buy us some more time, because it's looking like this is going to be an issue going into the election where they can use that as a lever to influence the election should they think they're going to lose. Mm. Because, again, they have nothing else to lose when it comes to this. This is their exchange, uh, mutual mutual exchange of uh, nuclear weapons would be uh, tantamount to in Ukraine, a Chernobyl level event, if it's just one nuke or if it's going to be an actual inner, you know, uh, international exchange between Israel and Iran. And that's where this was looking like it was going to head. Uh, Iran has went forward with their nuclear program. Russia is the one that built their heavy water reactor. And so the ties that bind with those two significant uh, facts between those countries and their uh, mutual agreement to assist each other in the event of a war, it's it's circling back now on both fronts between Iran and Russia. And I can't see any relief other than Tucker Carlson. And I believe that that's what he did was he put himself directly in the middle of that. Uh, and I haven't had the opportunity to watch the entire interview because it's two hours long, but I was able to go through some of the highlights and uh i think next week uh, our next show i'm gonna do a, a breakdown on it and see mm. uh if there's anything mentioned about the anomaly or the nobody or any type of uh inferences towards um Bolshe bolsheviks and bolsheviks uh, uh in ukraine i can't remember how he stated it last time uh but point being is that after the final uh, edit is done, you know, and all these different uh, news organizations release it, I want to see, I want to be able to do a contrast between what they actually post versus what Tucker Carlson posted and to see if there's any, you know, any difference in the translation or if they cut out certain parts because that will tell us what they don't want us to know and what is you know, part of uh, the agenda. So it's not what they say, but what they don't say, and it's not what they show, but what they're not going to show that will tell us what we need to do. <clears throat> so um, something I've been thinking about is, <clears throat> let's, if we give uh, Tucker Carlson and his group the benefit of the doubt that they aren't a gatekeeping group or they're not a limited hangout situation, um, right. For Tucker Carlson to be doing what he's doing, he needs a lot of support in the background to be setting up these interviews, to um, even just to be, uh, you know, being on these platforms in such a such an open way. Do you like, like mm -hmm. I said, giving him the benefit of the doubt? Do you think he is a little bit of a, a figurehead or a show person? for like a resistance movement because to me that's well, now you... because no, yeah because it what? because it, it seems to me like whatever the establishment is whatever the legacy political military complex is are hell-bent on perpetuating conflicts 
you know, we'll get into ways that there's been, you know, intentional sabotaging of, you know, food production and all these things. And a voice like Tucker Carlson coming from legacy media, even though, you know, uh, I guess in normie terms, he's seen as alternative. But in our world, he's seen as mainstream legacy. Limited hangout. Yeah, limited hangout uh, groups. But but yeah, that's my question to you. Is do you think if he is actually uh, being upfront and being uh, transparent about what his goals are, do you think he is some like the the tip of the iceberg of a resistance movement? Well, I I know when uh, the Ukraine put him on their kill list. Uh, you can't get more genuine than that as far as the danger behind journalists already killed. Now we're up over a dozen now uh, by both sides. <laughs> and knowing that, uh, I commend them for stepping forward, like I said, standing up, speaking out, and and taking the initiative by leading by example. For me, there's no other way to do what he wanted to accomplish and if there is any type of resistance movement movement i know on his show before he went off the air he there was a it looked like a publicity stunt between him and a guy at a bass pro shop in montana mm. all right and it was right on the border in your backyard all right mm. what's the chances of that at the same time that i was making moves on the chessboard to try to get the band back together all right and this, like I said, right before he went off the air, was a, a big uh, publicity, like I said, it looked like an orchestrated publicity stunt. And the weaponized autist on 4chan went through facial recognition analysis for the guy he was supposed to be having this quarrel with in this past pro shop, and they realized he was a CIA asset. Now, for me... You have Tucker Carlson in a locale for us, which is familiar, one. But two, if you understand North Dakota, South Dakota, the, the things that were taking place there, uh, it's a place that is easily identifiable for anyone to go back to that location and know that he frequents it and be able to um, you know, have a... Uh, a discussion or you know what have you it, whatever aspect of this you know underground clandestine you know meeting i it, i don't know but there it was fishy because of the way that it was staged and mm -hmm. uh and don't think that i didn't think about hanging out at that bath pro shop there uh, <laughs> because i i had i had really considered uh taking a trip there uh getting on the motorcycle and just going but it was too cold so, well, you know, yeah, I've more of the story because, you know, I <clears throat> I've heard some people dismiss Tucker Carlson because of his background and his history. Oh, yes. And I, I find that really um, self-defeating because from my experience, you know, I've, I've talked to endless people i've forgotten more people that i that i remember that i've talked to in the conspiracy space and in uh the the world of esoteric thought and right. um there's just as many people 
that align with our way of thinking that are from well-off families and are from families involved in, you know, politics or involved in business, etc. There's just as many of those younger people interested in what we talk about as there are people from the lower echelons of society or people that just come from the general population like we do. And I, I find this, uh, there's a little bit of um, an anti-elitist sentiment out there, this idea that if someone's from a well-off, influential family, they couldn't possibly be, be uh, you know, uh, champions of truth. They couldn't possibly want to try to uh, they would have to still influence. be compromised in some way because yeah. they're elite and they're part of the you know part of the upper echelon mm -hmm. i i do believe he's controlled opposition that he was controlled opposition in one aspect because he went from msnbc to cnn to fox news and he like made the you know the, the you know the 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 circuit you know uh the media circuit all the way back to fox and then you know had what happened to him, you know, create this, you know, viral sensation who was already the number one host on Fox News, which was the number one news channel. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I believe that there that there is a, an aspect to him either being part of this with with the intent to try to maybe flush out that narrative. And he just went and, you know, did uh, what he needed to do to you know, to do as far as the social media aspect and just realizing the censorship was insane and he was being muzzled for essentially just trying to report, you know, where we were as a country when, it, and, you know, Ukraine to put him on that kill list uh, was, I believe, either the next phase of a controlled opposition limited hangout scenario or Tucker Carlson really is trying to you know, do something about this. He's been very tough on Trump. And then on top of that, uh, he has been first and foremost the one to go forward with the UAP stories uh, and, uh, you know, the uh, Pentagon's intentional disinformation spanning a half a century. And his entire premise of his piece was about how Forget the fact that there are UAPs and that there are possibly, you know, uh, interdimensional beings. But he claimed that he had not only inside sources, that's where it circles back to what you're saying about him being an elite, you know, that he even said he has these sources that do not want to be named, but that these entities are interdimensional, not interstellar, and that they, uh, that the, the technology is essentially old tech time travel tech that you know to us is advanced but the irony that it's you know five hundred thousand years old you know quarter of a million years old but however you want to date it and so that dichotomy alone uh would be substantial and his whole premise was that you know but wait there's more your government's been lying to you about it this entire time and that was the hook that got buried by the rest of the media it wasn't you know, uh, it, it wasn't uh, something that anyone really wanted to correlate between that. And he went forward with a narrative that should have been obvious to everyone, but he had to say it out loud just to prove that they won't say it out loud. 
and that they won't even repeat what he's saying because not only do they know it's true, but that it proves our entire reality is being scripted. Yep. Uh, Tucker Carlson just, um, it was over, I'm pretty sure it was over uh, in December of 2023 when he was putting out those statements about uh, the things that he knew about the alien and unidentified aerial phenomenon story. And there's just, you know, I'll just throw in some quotes here from him. Um, uh, He says that, uh, you know, there's um, that aliens are one of the few topics he's afraid to cover. says the things he has learned are so dark that he can't even tell his wife. And a quote, there's a spiritual component there that I don't fully understand. There are parts of that story that I do not understand at all that are really, really dark. So dark, I haven't told my wife about it. Parts of the government don't want you to know about it, but parts of, parts of it is that the public can't deal with it. It's too far out. The implications are too profound. And uh, so, <clears throat> um, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pretend to know what he's talking about. You know, I, I don't, Sorry. I can't, can't read his mind, but. Um, I've, um, I don't talk about it too much, but I've been, uh, pretty deeply invested into the alien and UFO phenomenon for pretty much my entire life. And if someone was to ask me, um, okay, now that aliens and once Now that aliens and, you know, these UAPs are becoming a publicly known thing, uh, you know, what could that be? What are the implications that are too hard for the public to deal with? And to to me, it's, um, it's the aspect of the, um, you know, the popular, the popular talk around UAPs and aliens in general is the spiritual aspect of it. The idea of there being um, uh, connections to, you know, demonic phenomena or uh, spirits and um, spiritual harassment and how that plays into it. And um, uh, for example, um, if you took if you took all of the occurrences of people having experiences of being harassed by non-human entities and you take the idea that these things are working in a medium and are able to uh, move about and manipulate the world in a level that's below our sensory perception, things that you can't hear, you can't see, and that we're vulnerable to these forces. And the idea that, you know, the government has no way of protecting its citizens from these forces, or that even in some cases, maybe they cooperated with these forces in some way. And so, uh, nobody, would you want to, I called you your screen name, Will, do you want to... do you want to throw anything in here? I'm I'm go I'm flying uh, off into a tangent, but I just uh, yeah. No, no, I I specifically what had uh, just shown up in the um, studio chat right now. Uh, our weather girl was talking about 
Uh, she had a dream about Putin, and it uh, involved aliens that he was afraid of in the end. Uh, and it, she said it makes sense he might meet Carlson for, uh, for that reason. And then she said it's so weird. Uh, the fact that uh, I had brought that up now is very odd. <laughs> and uh, so there's a not only a spiritual component to it, but a weather girl just highlighted there's uh, not only a spiritual component here, but that there's a mass, uh, there's a mass connection, whether you call it astral, whether you call it metaphysical, interdimensional, spiritual. Gave me goosebumps yeah. now just reading what she said, and I'm still kind of processing it because she did tell me uh, something about a dream with Putin that we had touched on, but we had spoken about so much that we didn't circle back to it. And now we just circled back to it inadvertently, which is very, uh, wow. So I, where the government, I believe, is losing the narrative because they can't protect us, you know, they're for me is one deno common denominator with all of this. And obviously, you know, my spiritual beliefs. Uh, and to me, that is where this gets overlooked is there the religious texts behind it that talk about aliens, that talk about this phenomenon that's going to happen and it's prophesized. And so for me, uh, I take a different perspective in the motivation behind it uh, and to to render the Bible impotent with the existence of aliens would be the ultimate goal, knowing that one man's alien is another man's angel or demon, however you want to, you know, uh, however you want to shape it and whatever perspective, as Spectre would say, you know, well, one man's definition of evil is another man's definition of good. And, and you know, so I get it. One man's angel is another man's demon, but we can agree that the interpretation and the spiritual aspect of it, there's no way that uh, there's no way that we are being told the truth because the reverse uh, angle that would be inferred there is that we needed to be we need to be protected and we need to protect ourselves against something that they won't even admit exists. Mm -hmm. So where do we stand now, knowing that in this interview with Putin, supposedly he states that there is super soldiers that were genetically modified uh, and that he was either, I don't know in the highlight, whether he was insinuating that these were American uh, super soldiers that had been genetically mo modified and altered, or if he was bragging about the Russian capability to do this. And I know personally that China has this um, research program that involved uh, the site uh, acuity and distance of specific soldiers. They modified their <clears throat> genomic sequencing so that their eyes could see farther. And whether this is true or it's propaganda, it circles back to the alien UFO UAP phenomenon where you're going to have governments that are going to try to exploit this and claim that either they're allied with the, you know, the, with the aliens and that, you know, we, we as a, a country have made it a point to use the disinformation angle uh, to 
dismiss our own advanced military tech by you know claiming we don't know what it is they're uaps they're ufos and it's actually our own advanced military technology so being able to sift through that propaganda narrative to understand where that cushy middle, where the truth lies, that's I think where we're, you know, where we're at now here, what our objective is, you know, uh, primarily for this uh, endeavor that we have now started. And now with your personal experience, I know that you had told me that you had some things that you uh, personally uh, had experienced and then been taught through your heritage and so i would like to understand more how you see this in connection to um uh i don't want to say the exact location but the mountain mm -hmm. with the lake on the top you know exactly where it's at yeah. uh and so i i like i said i know you take this to heart and uh we both are on the same page that we both agree they exist. We both agree that, you know, that there are components to this that uh, we are blessed to understand from your unique perspective. And I want you to now share that with the, the rest of the audience so that they can understand why you mean so much to this project. Well, I... You know, I, when it comes to things like this, like with, you know, alien experiences or non-human entities, um, I don't, I'm only going to, I'm only going to talk about, you know, kind of things that I have direct experience with or my family, you know, has experience with because, you know, there's, there's always people speculating. There's always, there's always tons of stories out there. Uh, but starting off with, um, like the kind of visitation and abduction uh, experiences. My family, everyone in my family, uh, just on my mom's side specifically, like my aunts, my mom, my grandmother, have all, since a young age, all had really strange experiences with, um, like I said, being harassed by entities or having... Um, Things like spontaneous astral projection or um, um, let's say like a poltergeist type activities, things like that. I mean, it's to the it's it's such um it's such a well-known thing in my family that to this day, even just about three years ago, I had an experience where I uh, woke up and I had um, a pattern of marks along my torso, like a, kind of like a geometric pattern of um, like red marks along one side of my body. And this is something that has happened like relatively often over the years. And I mentioned it to my aunt and she just totally deadpan with no like hint of sarcasm, just like, oh, it's the aliens again. <laughs> and that was it. And... So um, I'm not going to, um, I, I, I know that my aunt uh, wouldn't mind me sharing some things as long as I don't use her identity because she kind of uh, has a sensitive uh, job in terms of uh, dealing with the public. But she had, uh, she had crazy experiences when she was younger. Like she would have things where um, in the middle of the night, her mom would find her in her room, like levitating above the bed. 
in the middle of the night and had like experiences where uh, she was getting so much harassment at night from whatever was going on that she even would, um, you know, get her mom to sleep in the room with her just so she could confirm that these things were happening. Like uh, things like um, I've experienced this too, like waking up in the middle of the night with something in the room, like some, some kind of uh, thing standing there. And uh, a lot of these things can blur, can toe the line with um, sleep paralysis, which is one of the real frustrating <laughs> things about this. Because if you can imagine uh, going through experiences that are a combination of actual physical things happening, things that leave physical evidence, but also combined with experiences that are dreamlike and that are... Um, um, that don't leave evidence. Like, uh, <clears throat> I just want to quickly read a little, um, a little quote from someone that had similar experiences. Um, okay, uh, one second here. Um, I should have. Okay, so <clears throat> this is someone who's had uh, you know, abduction experiences and these kind of harassment things. This is an anonymous person from uh, 4chan's uh, paranormal board. And uh, so if if you're listening and this is your post, I don't mean to steal your content. I just thought that this was important <laughs> enough that I needed to bring it up because it relates to what we're talking about. <clears throat> okay, so someone asked them about um, these kind of experiences and they say, it's not real. It's really not as fun as you'd think. Most people are snatched right out of their beds in the middle of an episode of sleep paralysis. It bl blurs the line between real and dream, which, if you're Johnny Alien, would be the perfect setup, though it assumes sleep paralysis is a state that can be induced. That would mean they have the perfect cover for activities. You're ultimately left with a steaming bowl of uncertainty. Was any of it even real? Were you actually taken or were you experiencing a legit night terror with your brain supplying all the imaginary details of the abduction? You'll never know. Even if the president of the U.S. were to walk out on stage with Johnny Alien, you still wouldn't know, not with complete certainty, that what you experienced was real or not especially if you're already immersed in paranormal things. If you pay for a hypnotic regression and you still can't know whether your brain is just making things up, you aren't left with anything. No insights, no answers, you get nothing. Not unless you decide to ignore the probability that it's all imagined and go full woo and decide to accept it all without question and end up sounding like a nut to whoever you tell the story to. And so that's, to me, that's, that's a good summary of why abduction and interactions with non-human interdimensional beings isn't a topic. You know, it's not, it's not something, it doesn't get discussed in these kind of paranormal shows and things very often because few and far between there's people like how I was saying where there's physical evidence, you know, physical remnants of these encounters. But the majority of it is anecdotal first-person experiences. It's someone 
this happened to them. And even if they try to take someone along and show them these experiences, it's still just one other person that knows something that happened. And it's things that are so far outside of regular life that like for my family, we don't, we don't talk about that stuff with anyone. I mean, in, in day-to-day life, like we have other family that we're close to, you know, cousins and such, but we don't, we don't bring those things up with anyone because it's, because like you said, we know it's real. We've been dealing with these things our whole life, our whole family's kind of, um, our whole family's been very, um, especially the females are all really sensitive people, like pretty close to mediumship (laughs) types. And they're all, uh, very, um, yeah, very metaphysically strong, if you will. And so our solution in our families was wholly spiritual to deal with these things. Like we don't, um, nowadays we don't have many issues with these things, but I mean, the only thing that we found in terms of combating these things going on was just, um, kind of, uh, using our traditional spiritual ways and, you know, me with my yogic practice, uh, gaining spiritual strength has been the only way that we've been able to, um, not let these things influence us negatively. Right. And then, uh, (laughs) before, and before, um, before I let you, uh, chime in, just like you touched on a little bit that, you know, up here in, in Canada, in Alberta, you know, we've had these experiences since our family started up here in the 60s. But our family history in New Mexico and up here in Canada has, we've historically had dealings with non-human people of different forms. You know, the in, um, in Alberta, Canada, the Plains Native people have a lot of stories of um, interactions with different humanoid beings way before European contact, you know, giants, little people. And then in New Mexico, I have um, history with, because um, my my great-grandfather down there was a spiritual leader of the Pueblo in Taos, uh, New Mexico. And so I was privy to a lot of stories about their dealings with underground humanoid beings that supposedly live in the mountains in northern uh, New Mexico. And those stories definitely... The lead, lake, right? Yeah. Uh, Blue, it's a place called Blue Lake. And, uh, yes. Yeah, and um, I've, I've heard a lot of firsthand stories about their interactions with underground beings and even... Um, you know, instances where uh, people from the community were chosen to kind of be offered up as um, tribute to these groups. But at the same time, I also know that these groups that they had interactions with, that there's also a metaphysical component to it, that these aren't strictly... um, They're not just another type of person, I guess you could say. So that's a lot, right. that's a lot you, to dump right there, but 
that's kind of right. the, that's that kind of the gist of my experience with these things and and that's why i wanted to circle back to the lake in uh middle earth uh the idea that you know the space propaganda the flat earth propaganda is all designed to be contingency fallback uh, cover stories for Middle Earth, a breakaway society that has uh, access to an entire uh, resource-rich area that we will never ever be able to encounter. And then you stated that, because I remember when we originally talked about this, you had uh, stated that they believed originally that the lake was bottomless, but that it's not actually bottomless. It's like, you know, like I said, like you said, a portal mm -hmm. uh, and that the misconception with the tributes were <clears throat> lost in translation because the traditional Mayan, you know, tradition of sacrifice and whatnot wasn't practiced in this case, that it was that they weren't dying, that they essentially were going to another dimension. Their body wasn't dying, that they were spiritually leaving this plane once they um, entered the uh, the water and then entered the craft. And when you explained that to me, I really loved how you explained the dynamic there that, it, you know, like I said, that these were tributes. They're not sacrifices because they're not dying. They're literally going to another dimension and that we would be so fortunate to be blessed enough to experience something like that and that this was essentially an honor and that it would take balls of steel, you know, for those that, you know, uh, did this to literally walk the walk instead of just talk the talk. Mm -hmm. And so you could kind of see how these things being not only... Um kind of first-hand, second-hand stories that I've heard since I was young, but not only, but also having these experiences of, because I also had my own uh, visitation and paranormal experiences when I was younger, not quite on the same level as my mom and aunts, but, um, but pretty close. And it really affected my worldview a lot because from a really young age, I recognized that the like I'm, I'm talking like at 10 years old eight years old i recognized that you know the people they talked about as the government the protectors of the people the servers of the people that there was an entire level of reality that they weren't able to influence or control and um especially growing up on a native american reserve uh, you know, the the paranormal and the spiritual aspect of the world was always kind of pounded into my head as being just as valid as the physical material world. So I, I think that combined with everything that I knew about the history with uh, New Mexico and the inner earth things that they know about, I was kind of set up way a long time ago to beyond this path of kind of being a forever outsider of society just because of the fact that I experienced and was privy to things that later on in life were only in the most, you know, esoteric circles that they talked about these things, you know. Right. Yeah. 
Well, I can tell you the, the weather girl brought up a very great point during one of our uh, many discussions, and she talked about how the government intentionally would put out this narrative knowing now that it's irrefutable. And when they do this, that there has to be a motivation behind it to sow dissent, create divides that wouldn't normally happen and something that they know would be able to unite us, they're going to continue to try to use as a catalyst and a wedge to divide us. And that you, I think, at eight, nine, ten years old, realized what you were being told was, you know, complete bat soup bullshit and uh, understanding that what we are being fed is designed intentionally to mislead us and you knowing the truth, it you know, it put you on this trajectory, unfortunately, um, <clears throat> through many trials and tribulations, as we talked about, you know, but that was where, you know, you had to walk that road in order to get here to understand, you know, why your purpose was greater than, you know, they had ever wanted you to be able to recognize. Mm -hmm. uh, if we, if we talk about, you know, any kind of purpose, uh, you know, I, I would never, I would never claim that I know any truth. All I claim is that, like I said, I was privy to things that most people don't really hear about, especially as close as I knew about these things. And uh, as far as a purpose that I see with, with why I know the things that I know or why I experience the things that I do and why I'm kind of um, pushed to talk about them, and to be really open about, you know, my history with this stuff is because I, I, I hope someday, even in a tiniest, tiniest little contributing way that I can be the bridge for people between uh, the regular day-to-day -day experience and learning to operate in this new realm we're in and being able to deal with all these new things coming into the human experience that we're going to have to deal with for firsthand. We're going to have to deal with really, um, immediately. Like I'm, I'm not a doom person, you know, I, I know, uh, because of the, uh, the kind of news things we follow and the information streams we, uh, tune into, it can be a lot of doom and gloom and disaster porn, but I, I don't, I'm not, I don't really ever have the feeling of doom. What I do have the feeling of though, of is a feeling of, um, of that, of people having to deal with these things that they've been, uh, either ignoring or have just kind of been outside of their periphery and that these things are going to slowly be coming, coming into the forefront. And that's why, that's why I kind of, um, really took a big note of when Tucker Carlson was talking about the things with uh, his information he supposedly knows about UAPs and uh, the alien issue. And like I said, I'm not going to pretend to know what he knows, but all the things that I know about it align with that, that the idea that there is an entire big issue that humanity is dealing with right now that governments don't want to acknowledge because it shows how vulnerable humanity is without spiritual grounding. 
without yes. without Great having point. yeah without having a real solid foundation in spirituality and whatever traditions that you have of um, being able to connect to yourself connect to you know your ancestors your heritage and the positive spirits that can be helping you without that you are vulnerable in that space and i think right. that's the conflict that's the resistance going on is that um, the general public is sorely unprepared to operate in this new space coming yeah Oh, and and to me, the significance of the sighting in Miami at the mall with these shadow beings, whatever they were, the joke on JLP for the longest time was, God forbid the aliens in, you know, land in Florida because Florida man's going to get his 12 gauge down <laughs> and shoot him for fear of not knowing what this is, you know, right. and yeah, you know, so I I pray that you are the diplomat, Dylan. We're gonna call you the uh, interdimensional diplomat. We're gonna be our chief correspondent, international, uh, inter international, interdimensional diplomat. And I pray that uh, they come to you because if they land in Florida, hell hath no fury like Florida man with a twelve gauge. So. <laughs> Well, <laughs> saying and and no offense to our weather girl, uh, you know, like I said, who uh, has extensive, uh, you know, like I said, uh, extensive research uh, in the South, and she understands, you know, that uh, we are on the precipice of an entire, uh, an entire age, new age that most would fear, uh, in the event that you know we take our government to task for what they've done and to make sure that our first and foremost objective should be not just diplomatic relations, but a genuine, like you said, spiritual education in the uh, premise of the old ways and why they were done that way and that our ancestors weren't stupid and that our heritage is priceless and that if we do not encapsulate their values into our modern day uh you know frontiers that we're about to pursue we're going to be doomed and you know to me there's something to be said about tucker carlson having uh having the cojones to make this a point that you know like i said the government has not only been hiding this from us, but that if they were to continue to do this, it's not only malice with premeditation uh, to provoke and agitate, but there's a case to be made that they're the real terrorists then. And <clears throat> I just, I'd like to say too about um, the idea of being an ambassador to uh, these inter yes. interdimensional beings. I, I, I want to say, just to um, keep things realistic, I, I, I don't, uh, I'm not without fear. You know, I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm a very um, logical, reasonable person, but like uh, the last time I really had some 
up-close encounters with um, things like this. I, I think I might have mentioned it to you some time back, but uh, back this last fall when I went on a hunting trip by myself um, up into the mountains, not really way out into the mountains, but kind of the the foothills just to the east of the Rockies, I went out on a hunting trip and I had some really intense encounters with some uh, things. That's the only thing. <laughs> some flying, oh. some flying things, things that were in the air yeah, that were, fun. that seemed to be intelligent. And I got to say, like, I was absolutely afraid. I was completely, like, you know, I had my rifle with me, but I didn't, you know, I didn't really feel like that was, <laughs> you know, I didn't really feel like that was any real realistic protection. I, it was more of a comfort to have it. But, um, yes. but I'll just, I got to say, I just got to make a point that I've had tons of experience with these things, with dealing with, you know, ghosts or like I said, poltergeist activity or uh, alien visitations, and I've seen UFOs my entire life. But to this day, this last fall, when I had an up-close encounter with these things by myself, with, outside of cell service, in the middle of the night, just me and these things, I was afraid. I was, I was scared. I was not, there wasn't, um, like there was an instance where if I wanted to, I could have walked up and gotten close to one of these things that I was seeing. And I chose not to. I just stayed back and just watched it. And so I just want to kind of reiterate that, you know, I, like I've been around this stuff all the time and it still freaks me out because, you know, it's one thing to remember things that happened. It's one thing to talk about stuff or hear experiences. But the common thread among all of these experiences is that you realize how tenuous your hold on reality is in terms of when you when you're dealing with with experiences like this and you're coming face to face with these kind of um things there, like i said like there's no you, there's no weapons you can have that will make you feel secure the only security you can have in those situations, like I said, I hate to sound like a preacher, but is your spirituality, your faith, your faith in what you know to be true, your base level reality and your, the things that you're solid on are the only things you can depend on in those situations. Because we're talking about things that, you know, that, physical space and time don't seem to be any issue for them. You know, moving through those mediums doesn't seem to be any issue. You know, we've heard stories of um, these entities, you know, messing with nuclear sites, moving into nuclear silos underground and, you know, either observing or manipulating things. And so when you have these firsthand experiences, it, it really takes away all of your your um your comforts <laughs> you know the the things that you you rely on for your base level yeah. reality get kind of shuffled away and you feel ultimately vulnerable in the face of something that's operating beyond your senses yeah and then you have the pushback the coup contra coup um 
the blowback from trying to talk about it afterwards and that reality bending situation where, you know, just to have the conversation be significant to provide a, some clarity and to even be able to have that opportunity with most people is rare. And that in and of itself will affect your reality just because you start the question, you know, like, well, you know, the, if this is something that I cannot present to someone in a, you know, in a manner to which they can understand it or appreciate it, they're never going to ever consider <clears throat> the reality until they personally experience it, unfortunately. Mm. And that is where we have become a society where even then, you know, like in the excerpt that you read, if Mr. What they call him, Mr. Johnny Alien? <laughs> yeah, Johnny Alien, yeah. Yes, if they walked out with Mr. Johnny Alien, you know, even then, now because of the saturation um, that we've already been subjected to, half, half the society uh, already is in, you know, a, uh, um, what's the word, um, cynical state as it is. And this, you know, uh, this notion that walking out with an alien, you know, Joe Biden hand in hand with Johnny Alien still, uh, still would have, you know, a conspiratorial um, uh, diatribe behind it where there would no, uh, there would be no way to counter this, you know, argument, you know, the government's like, okay, well, we're telling the truth now, we swear you know, well, we're, we're telling the truth this time, you know, and that, you know, that in and of itself uh, is a reality bending ideology that you would have to capitulate to morally and spiritually to understand that your government not only is purposely trying to, uh, you know, pull the wool over your eyes, but then, you know, back to that spiritual angle, why would they do that unless they understood that the connection to that spiritual side is what they need to steer away from knowing that that's where the power lies for us and, and power in numbers and being able to, to connect to this, you know, this network that is obviously there and that they won't acknowledge because they realize that that dimension that they can't operate in proves that we are as you say we are powerless as a, a as a uh, as a, a people to combat it in any conventional means and so that would prove that all the money we spent on nuclear weapons and whatnot we're just going to kill ourselves you know when in all reality you know there's uh there's no other way to go about this except in that metaphysical, spiritual um, mindset, you know, that, that frame of mind. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. They, they would lose all credibility. They would lose all funding. There would be no point to continue on with munitions. You know, we would, uh, we would be better off uh, building, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? The, um, uh, in Antarctica, the uh, the array, the uh, what the hell is it? Heart. We'd be better off to build more arrays to communicate, uh, yeah. you know, with the cosmos instead of building nukes. And they know this because there's 
no way we're fighting our way out of this. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I, I think um, I think all of these things slowly creeping their way into the public consciousness is just a symptom of humanity taking a step into um, stepping up to the bigger table in reality, stepping up to the, the more complex level of dealing with life in a more holistic way. And instead of focusing on materialism, focusing on spiritualism, focusing on this, but starting to look at reality in a more multi-dimensional way. And I kind of, I have a, I have a hunch that there, there was probably a big crisis in the social engineering space where they, they could see that there, there's, there's kind of a crossroads we're coming to where these um, metaphysical forces are becoming more influential and because of, you know, the way the internet has also been causing human perception to become more slippery and more ephemeral, the line between fiction and fact is kind of getting finer. And I, I feel like we're kind of at a point where the, the establishment that has been invested in human civilization and the way it's running are panicking because they can see the end. And there's and the it's not the end of the world. It's not even the end of human civilization. It's just the end of this particular form of human civilization that was working the way it is. Their reign. Yeah, and so and their reign. And so I think humanity right now is going through a process where we have the opportunity to come and sit at the bigger table. We have the opportunity to be able to operate in these metaphysical spaces. And to have the chance to combine, you know, humanity's collective knowledge about spirituality, energy work, and um, being able to be a fully fledged human being. But there's also, there's so many people that are invested in keeping the old, the old guard going as long as it can. The old style of profiteering and you know, uh, materialistic louche farming, that they can keep that going as long as they can until this new system has to emerge and has to take over. And the only way that we'll be able to do that, there's going to have to be some form of social conditioning. Uh, for me personally, I like to uh, comment on asinine videos by saying you're the reason why the aliens won't talk to us <laughs> and uh you know and it's my uh it's been my signature on, on a few different things uh just because you know to me I, I take it seriously that you know we as a society i don't think we're ready for it as a collective uh until we are on the same page with how to go about, you know, how to go about this. Like I said, God forbid these entities show up in another mall in Florida. Good God, you know, it's going to be a nightmare. Uh, and 
an interdimensional war with conventional munitions is, you know, like bringing a knife to a gunfight, you know, and we're, uh, we're the one holding the knife. So, uh, and to me, it's just our government is being very careless and reckless in this space. Um, and it's, it's to our detriment and they could care less. And that terrifies me more than anything. You know, we've been, we went in, we went pretty deep in with um, the idea of non-physical intelligences and the spiritual aspects of, um, of non-human interactions. But uh, let's kind of, you know, switch gears a little bit and go back to the physical aspects of, um, of uh, people's interactions with non-humans. In North America and South America, anyone who's been, you know, into uh, paranormal things or um, esoteric dealings has heard of the stories in South America of um, early explorers encountering tall humanoids. I mean, humanoids is kind of a weird word to use, but just tall people that aren't in our lineage. But uh, there's also been those stories all the way up into Canada and North America. Like um, for the Plains natives in the U.S. and Canada, they also have um, stories of tall humanoid uh, beings that they had interactions with a long time before European contact. And um, just as an anecdote... Um, <clears throat> during some uh, sacred ceremonies here in Alberta, I've actually heard stories of their, of people having sightings of um, spirits of giant people. Like actually people uh, saying that they saw um, kind of disembodied spirits of giants lurking around some of these uh, sacred ceremonies. And <clears throat> would they, would these be the 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 redheaded ginger giants that uh, were uh, the lore of what was that anime uh, Attack on Titan? This phenomenon um, that if you look at that particular series, uh, it speaks of those same giant, like I said, redheaded, red bearded. Uh, monsters that essentially ate the human populace that uh, in, in incorporated uh, those societies, even you know from Peru all the way up through uh, the Yucatan Peninsula. And uh, now there was a uh, archaeologist. I don't want to get any copyright hits or anything like that. So there's an archaeologist from. Uh, the cable show Gaia, cable channel, I should say, Gaia. And uh, he had been doing uh, his latest project involving uh, a site they found in Turkey that connects to Thailand uh, and then circles back to the lost city of Atlantis and this idea of, you know, a quarter million to a half a million uh, years ago, there was this advanced society that were all interconnected, falls back to the 
story of the fallen angels on Mount Huron in uh, in uh, the Bacala Valley, and how where they fell, they branched out to create these different uh, uh, advanced civilizations that all connect back to those tablets, the ancient Sumerian tablets, which again, we had referenced in another show that we believed were the first chapters of civilization, when in all reality, now we know that that's one of the final chapters that what we consider to be an ancient tablet was actually the last chapter and that they're finding all of these preceding tablets that all complement each other. And they all talk about these giant, red-headed, red-bearded monsters that uh, had, you know, plagued the earth with a scourge unlike anything ever seen of a biblical proportion, and that if you understand the Japanese lore and you understand the Native American indigenous heritage and those stories, uh, I wanted to ask you, I remember you said something about in New Mexico uh, trying to preserve... uh, artifacts and relics and that there were uh, aspects to that, you know, that uh, you had explained to me through your family's heritage, you know, stories passed down, items passed down. Um, And I, to me, knowing where you're, uh, where you're at now and understanding that all of those stories separated by thousands of miles of distance corroborate each other and that there has to, <clears throat> excuse me there has to be a uh, uh, there has to be a an effort to focus like where I'm at in, here specifically uh, in the northeast uh, Ohio region there are burial mounds all throughout northeast Ohio uh, and there were rumors you know to be underground pyramids and that they have all of this buried for a reason and that it's protected because they don't want to excavate it to maintain the integrity of the sites here and uh, the uh, paying respect to those that are buried there to not disturb those lands Uh, and i i agree i get it Uh, but then if you extrapolate how we didn't respect that same uh, common courtesy in regards to other religions and their burial, you know, uh, their burial grounds. I wanted you to touch on, you know, like the curses of, you know, when you hear these stories, these horror stories of, you know, houses being built on ancient Indian burial grounds mm-hmm. and the poltergeist aspect to that, the spiritual aspect to that, uh, and what that means to disturb it. And that could we, ever really truly investigate anything involving you know your heritage and in your lineage without you know without uh uh, pissing off the gods without Mm -hmm. you know uh uh stepping into you know uh an area where we would you know i the famous thing to me that i think about is geraldo rivera did a special when they were opening up the tomb in egypt uh in one of the pyramids and how it was going to unleash this curse. And so you have all of these common things that are found in all of these different regions that are all synonymous with each other. And so that is where I wanted to kind of tie this back into with what you know about the curses. And like I said, how 
in ancient Egypt, which we think is ancient. Now we know that that was one of the newer civilizations in contrast to what they've been finding. And we're being told that it's, you know, 10,000 years old, but in all reality, they're dating the Sphinx back a quarter of a million years. And they're stating that the actual damage to the Sphinx is water damage from this great deluge, Noah's Ark, the flood, whatever you want to call it. Mm. So, like I said, you have all of these different stories that now, you know, when you look at it from an outside angle, they all corroborate each other. You know, you have thousands of miles of separation, different language barriers, and yet they all tell the same thing with the mm -hmm. same common denominator of, like I said, if you disturb their ancient burial grounds, you're going to curse yourself. So please enlighten us on this, because I remember you telling me before, and uh, I, this is going to be the highlight of the show, I think. Yeah, I <clears throat> I don't know if I can totally tie everything together, but um, I'll, I'll say that, you know, uh, humanity's dealings with inner earth beings has, I, in my opinion, been the foundation for most of our uh, secret societies, religious societies. And um, I think I talked to you once about how there is a history that's not well known of uh, various um, famous leadership figures, like for example, Montezuma, that were known for specifically undergoing instructions and teachings from inner earth beings. And so these, um, I really feel like that's like one of the main reasons why the spiritual aspect of, you know, non-human contact with entities has been the touchiest subject in terms of the way governments have handled it is because of the fact that it, that they would have to, you know, they would have to accept that we're experiencing and living in just a really narrow slice of reality. And that there's these these completely different levels above and below us that we're completely ignorant to, but that at different times we had to um, kind of go back to these um, these other civilizations and these other living things. We had to go back to them for assistance at certain times in the past because of, um, you know, things like earth cataclysms or um, different kinds of, um, you know, once in a lifetime type events. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not censoring what I'm saying. I'm just trying to um, kind of say what I mean in the most concise way, but Essentially, humanity is part of a family. You know, humanity is part of a family of conscious beings. And in in history, in our, our near history right now, we've been separated intentionally because of our influence from governments and religions. We've been separated from the greater family of intelligent beings that occupy whatever you want to call earth is yeah and so i think humanity i don't think this is a new thing 
I think humanity is coming out of a cycle where they've been uh, intentionally put in the dark and left to fend for themselves and left to uh, kind of um, malinger under the rule of uh, humans who have gatekeeped information and kept uh, kept the reality of where we live and the 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 plane that we live on the reality of it has been pulled away from the general public to where most of humanity is living on a limited and incomplete version of reality yeah. and so so I really think that it, it's going to be the biggest issue coming up in the next few years of whether we're going to be able to um, reconcile our place in the, in the realm, in the universe, or are we going to have to double down on our delusion and go into a second dark age where, we, where we're consumed by conflict, where we're consumed by warfare and infighting among humanity? Or are we going to come to terms with these things that we already know? And are we going to deal with them and kind of um, grow up as a species? Yeah. If, you've, uh, if you could take one thing away from uh, how society would react, uh, what do you think in anticipation of a uh, mass consciousness awakening, or I should say without the luxury of a mass consciousness awakening, uh, where, where would society where would society conflict with technology and the overall trajectory that we are on now in comparison to your ancestors' beliefs, their, you know, their entire uh, subset culture of, you know, farming and uh, just sustainable living, you know, you know, we always hear the common uh, you know uh, the the common uh, uh, narrative. You know that uh, uh, that the indigenous culture never wasted anything. You know when it came to uh, taking the life of a buffalo, they used every aspect of it. Yeah, and and to know where our society is just in a mass gluttony, wasteful um, you know uh, mindset to where you know we we take things for granted that. <clears throat> you know, were considered uh, a luxury for, you know, our ancestors when it came to, you know, just the modernization and pioneering of the West and, you know, those those battles that took place between, you know, forces that, you know, for our country, for my, for my, uh, um, you know, for my specifically my family and understanding here where we live how substantial uh the narrative you know has been drilled into us that you know you're you're the original 
you know, you're the original inhabitants of this land, and yet here we are, you know, a century later, and people still don't appreciate these parallels and these ties and these stories that, like I said, not only corroborate an ancient civilization, but that, you know, we've lost generations of wisdom and, uh, and, and understanding about our planet and how we're supposed to treat it. And so to me, knowing, you know, where you stand and how you lead by example, I think, uh, I would like to really, you know, make it a point for you to emphasize what we could do, you know, uh, from an ecological standpoint, you know, uh, when it comes to, you know, the betterment of our environment, you know, and taking an initiative in just our everyday habits to kind of live more true to, like I said, the way the cosmos was meant to be, you know, and to, you know, from everything from uh, industrial farming, the way that they treat cows, you know, now the way that they literally remove a subsection of their stomach to insert the food directly into mm -hmm. their stomach instead of letting them roam free and graze, you know, and that this that this ideology that has perpetuated uh, the greed and capitalistic nature of our society is counterintuitive to whom, you know, to humanity. And back to that, you know, that point I made before, you know, where we don't want to be the reason why the aliens don't talk to us, you know? And so it, it, stemming from that, you know, uh, premise, I, I think your, most apt to uh, describe how we can better ourselves in that aspect without getting, you know, like I said, without getting into the political dynamics of mm -hmm. your carbon footprint, you know, yeah. like I said, I, they kind of mesh, but you know, there's a, there's, there's something to be said about it. So I, I I'd appreciate that because for me, uh, knowing your, uh, knowing your people's struggle and realizing, you know, what you had to go through. Uh, like I said, these things that were lost and were dismissed for centuries. Now you guys were the pioneers. You were right. Not only were you right, but like I said, your history and your, uh, your culture's stories literally prove this and nobody's talking about it. And so when I circle back to this, the point being is that where we are now here in Ohio with all of these ancient Indian burial grounds, I know personally for me that I would like to understand how we could investigate those because I have a feeling and I wanted to talk to our weather girl about mm -hmm. this if she understood uh, if she could understand or, or look into the possibilities because I uh, believe these tablets are here in America. I believe that they are either in the Grand Canyon. I believe that uh, I, I believe that there uh, is connections to New Mexico and the Grand Canyon and the lore behind that. And so for me, uh, if we can focus on, you know, those aspects of your heritage and just understanding, you know, where we could go as a society and start here right now to make a difference. And 
you know, and, and utilize and incorporate these values that you grew up on. Uh, because it, to me, that's the only way to lead by example. Yeah, I, <clears throat> the only thing I can really say is that, um, you know, when I was growing up, we, I never really got, um, I never really got any specific talking to's about how to deal with these things. It was mainly, uh, like you were saying, it was a lead, a lead by example situation. And the most important thing that was always drilled into me from a young age is that your own, uh, personal dedication to, um, okay. How do I put it? your own personal dedication to your spiritual path is the thing that will help you the most. And I I say that in a really general way because, you know, my, uh, growing, my, my, the system that I grew up in was just the traditional belief system of, you know, the, the people that I grew up around, but even in Christianity, they have the same um, theories within the tradition somewhere that, you know, that a personal connection with your creator is the most important thing beyond rituals, beyond, you know, what kind of things you do with your community or you go to some kind of church or you go to ceremonies, but your personal day-to-day connection with your source and your creator is what will get you through everything. And so, so I, I never, you know, I, I teach yoga and I teach meditation and I teach energy work things. And I've, I've had my own, um, you know, uh, learnings in my traditional teachings, but my advice to people is whatever tradition you're a part of, whatever your your way is that you're either born into or you fell into because of your just the way your life went that personal day to day every single morning you should be doing something to reconnect to your source your creator and those those things you do to kind of go back to square one and connect with that source apart from anything going on in society or anything around you. Uh, to me, that's the most important thing. I know that sounds really vague. It, 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 I, you know, it almost sounds like I'm not saying anything, but literally I'm just saying that, uh, you know, every human being is, uh, a source unto itself. We all have a piece of the creator within us. We all have that piece of God in us. We have divinity in us that we can we can uncover through things like prayer, meditation, and uh, you know inner inner work. And so I that's really my only advice to people is that um, you know really get in touch with your own with your heritage with your you know what's in your DNA what's in your spirit what speaks to you, that might not always be, you know, your family heritage. You know, you might come from a Catholic family, but what speaks to you is, you know, Buddhist meditation. You never know. But uh, all spiritual traditions, in my experience, 
have at their heart an esoteric aspect, a personal aspect that transcends, you know, your day-to-day experiences. And, you know, humanity, where humans are super powerful entities. And a lot of our um, levels of control and influence over the world have to do with our own self-image. You know, if you think of yourself as less powerful and at the whim of things uh, bigger than you, then that's what's going to happen. But if you see yourself as... Uh, the center of creation and see yourself as a powerful being that is in control of your own experiences and your own thought, then you can be that too. Definitely. And I, you know, for me, I wanted to talk about like the dietary aspects of your heritage, you know, uh, preparing, um, you know, preparing, an animal after uh, you've killed it, you know, and what you do, uh, you know, to respect that kill, <laughs> to honor that animal, um, the way that you treat that animal before you slaughter it, you know, and that, you know, this, this way of life that we have been forced to accept, you know, what I know that when you consume an animal that you know, was murdered uh, in the sense of torture and malnutrition and living in captivity, that that meat that you're ingesting has negative energy. It has negative consequences to your health. And that I believe your heritage had a, you know, a way to do this in a manner that was respective, you know, to not only the animal, but to the cosmos and to Mm -hmm. that, you know, to that, uh, to that ether that, you know, nobody realizes exists. And that's why I brought it up as a, you know, as a point last uh, show, when I started talking about halal uh, preparation of meals and kosher preparation, and that the Amish have a similar tradition and that the <clears throat> various tribes throughout, you know, uh, South and North America have these same traditions and that they are not a coincidence. And again, through time, space, distance, uh, uh, and uh, through, you know, uh, various different translations and languages, these are all synonymous with one another. And so I know you're an avid hunter, and I know that uh, you have definitely, uh, you know, honored those traditions. So if you could tell me, like, where, uh, you know, where I could further research this, how to research it, and uh, and where um, where exactly can we go about, you know. Um, uh, taking this to the next level in our everyday lives. Right. I, I don't know if I, I probably wouldn't be the best person for recommending uh, further research on these things. Cause these are, I, I mainly just have been kind of doing things firsthand, like hunting and um, the <laughs> traditions behind it. I haven't actually really done too much research on it. It's been 
kind of just my own experiences like, going like dressing a deer like when you yeah. dress a deer you know like when you you know when you do that do you do that based on a youtube video oh or okay something that okay you yeah for, for simply for the mechanical aspects of it uh i definitely mm -hmm. would recommend uh steve Rinella and his uh, meat eater okay. uh podcast and youtube videos because out of Absolutely. um out of all the YouTube videos I've seen on cleaning and field dressing a deer, I think his are the best in terms of just simplicity. And I mean, that's a guy who's, you know, cleaned hundreds of different animals out in the backcountry, either by himself or with awesome. different people. So, you know, it's, it's something you can kind of trust that he has an efficient way of going about it and, that it's uh, it. best practices. But uh, in terms of the um, the ideas behind the whys and hows of, of um, ethically taking meat and taking meat in a harmonious way, um, you know... And I, how that animal was treated and how that animal was treated beforehand, how it yeah. affects the meat and it affects every aspect of you know imbibing that in in some call it chi uh you know like i said i, I don't mean to cut you up mm -hmm. but you know like i said that's where i wanted to head with this because i understood it you know from my uh experience and uh personally you know like i said uh, back to we had talked about the experiment uh during the pandemic when we talked about how <clears throat> they uh took two two or three different plants you know in one plant they whispered to it the other plant they screamed obscenities to it and the other plant they didn't say anything to it right and then they you saw how the plant that you know you that they played that the, uh they they played music then they did a, another experiment where they did the same thing but one plant instead of saying nice things to it it was playing classical music and then mm. the other one was playing like death metal and then of course the third plant nothing and then they compared how the plant that you know listened to classical music the plant that had nice things said to it grew twice as fast uh produced way more than the other two plants and so back to that you know that uh, that premise with you know your culture understanding this hundreds of years ago before science was even a thing. And that, you know, like I said, that there's something to be said to that, that that is always dismissed whenever these conversations come up, that the genius behind it is not genius like what we attribute to, you know, uh, academics and being able to recycle and regurgitate shit you read in a book. We're mm -hmm. talking about you know, centuries of traditions and wisdom that uh, my ancestors just wiped out. And it mm. terrifies me and it breaks my heart because I get it now. And I realize again, like I said, that not only were your ancestors onto something, that's actually dismissing the significance of what they understood because they weren't just onto something. They literally were leading by example in every aspect of their lives and that they understood something that we will never be able to reclaim as a society until people like me actually 
recognize that you know we not only were wrong but that we almost wiped out an entire people that got it that mm-hmm. they were the only people that got it like and so for me that's why i definitely wanted to make this a point to uh to close the show because i respect that in a way that i hope others can appreciate now by me explaining it that way and with these different parallels and that these are not coincidences and that if we don't wake up and pay attention to our ancestors we're doomed mm-hmm. so <clears throat> yeah so we're getting we're getting pretty close to the end of the show so i'll i'll go into this and uh, i just want to i want to start off as a cuz kind of as a disclaimer uh let's let's exclude and kind of uh, let people know that we are aware of the idea of civilizations and people that can live a vegetarian lifestyle. (laughs) I understand that's a thing. I understand that exists somewhere that there's people that are able to exist without killing conscious beings that they're able to live mostly a vegetarian lifestyle. In my part of the world, and if I had to guess your ancestors' part of the world, you cannot live without animals. Animals are the one the only way you can live in us in an entire hemisphere of the world. It's mainly dependent on animals for survival. And so um what I'll say about hunting is that um, you know, not every native person in my cu- culture hunts anymore. It's becoming, you know, I even talked to uh, a friend of my family's uh, a couple of months ago and we were talking about hunting and he was telling me, he said, you know, what, there's just isn't that many people that hunt anymore. It's starting to go down in the numbers and which is weird because most people from the outside would think of us as being, you know, Plains natives, the blood tribe, you know, we should be the last, you know, we should be the ones, the last of the hunters, you know, we should be the last of them. They're still living that lifestyle, but it's going away. And and so what I'll say about um, the philosophy behind killing for meat is that, um, you know, when you, when you take another life to feed yourself, I've, I don't know of any real hunters that aren't empathetic towards animals. I think it's, it's a modern, uh, it's a modern theme of the hunt, the kill, the thrill kill hunter that just likes, you know, uh, blowing deer up and grinning with their antlers and such. But in the in the native, right. I, yeah. Well, real quick, I was talking more primarily about like Monsanto industrial farming. Uh, that the meat that we're consuming, that genetically modified GMO, is bad enough as it is. Yeah. But that that we are past that so far now that again the basic premises of just how we treat these animals before we kill them and then eat them that there's a case to be made that you know that it's a you know affecting us not even you know remotely uh 
in, in a way like mad cow disease where we were literally feeding cows mm-hmm. their own dead you know uh you know carcass family members you know which was atrocious that that would even be a thing and so for me that's why i wanted to make that a point that you know this mass industrialized farming that is being implemented now under the guise of you know we got to do this because there's not enough food and we got to be able to feed the people and this is the only way to do it and it's bullshit because it's about profits and we know this now and that that is where this circles back to monsanto you know buying up uh uh i believe it was bear pharmaceutical why is a giant conglomerate a a mega agricultural conglomerate like that interested in pursuing a pharmaceutical company and then if you understand and you start digging into that you like i said you realize that they know that what they're doing is wrong they understand that you that you know the ways of you know your ancestors were the right way that you have to be humane to these animals you have to give them a great life and then you know and you have to respect them and you have to appreciate you know what they are giving you and then you have to utilize every aspect of it and so knowing that they're purposely investing in a pharmaceutical company because they know that the fucking meat and the the industrial uh agricultural side of this you know and the farming side of this that they know that they're poisoning us they know that most likely that because of the way these animals are being treated and then we're consuming their meat that that could lead to autoimmune diseases that can lead to possibly where you know uh cancer first uh 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 started to sprout you know Mm -hmm. when this industrial farming ideology started becoming a thing you know and then you start getting into pesticides and fertilizers i could be i could go on for hours but that's my point to you is that knowing all of this you know when you talk about how you know there's not hunters that are out there you know just sport killing you know and just you know, yes, there are some that, you know, will sport hunt just for the antlers, you know, or the deer rack, you know, to put on the wall. And, and, and I believe it's our job to police our own people in that respect, you know, and that is where, you know, like you said, now your own tribe, you know, the hunting uh, ratio, you know, every year is going down. And that's terrifying to me, because again, like I said, we're literally losing think we're losing abilities and techniques and wisdom you know that no you know no hillbilly out in alabama with you know 300 pounds he ain't gonna be you know chasing down buffalo with a fucking spear and teaching us how to herd them into you know specific uh you know ambush points you know and working as a team to get that food you know and to earn that food and uh like i said it, it terrifies me how our history has completely dismissed one of the you know greatest uh one of the greatest uh uh uh, uh i can't even think of the word here uh like i said it, it still affects me just studying it you know extensively uh in my childhood and realizing that your heritage is something that should have been preserved and 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 implemented on an industrial scale here in America. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, like I said, there was this propaganda about how you know the West came to be and where uh, you know where uh, we made these atrocious uh, 
acts upon your people. And to me, like I said, I, I, I will always circle back to how, again, you were not only the pioneers, the forerunners, but there's no one else that's giving credit in this arena. And I want to make sure that we make it a point that I am one of the first to acknowledge that not only were your ancestors right, but that again, if we look at what has a, what has been afflicting humanity now ever since, you know, I, I, I can't look at it any other way. You know, it's part of this mass poisoning. They understand it. They don't care. They want to profit off of it. And they're making medicine in order to do so uh, to prolong our misery and profit off of it as much as possible. And like I said, there's there's no doubt in my mind that these stories of ancient beings and time travelers and interdimensional beings, again, like I said, I believe now that our government knew all of this. They studied it extensively and that they actively covered it up. And they still are to this day covering up, knowing that your ancestors are the tie that binds. And so, like I said, I want to be the first and I want it to be documented that Again, not only were my ancestors wrong, but that, uh, you know, this whole talk of reparations to African-Americans and whatnot, I get it, yes, but I think that it, Native Americans, uh, indigenous people, whatever, uh, you know, whatever, uh, whatever way we can try to preserve what's left of your heritage, I think needs to be made a matter of national security because I believe it's the only way to save humanity and there's no doubt about it. And that is where, like I said, with you making it a point that, you know, your own tribe is no longer even interested in hunting. Okay. Well, we recognize the problem, brother, and we're going to solve it. And we're going to start right now, right here. And you acknowledged it. And this is where we make it happen. <clears throat> and I, I think the biggest, <clears throat> the big uh, takeaway from what you were saying about, um, about the approach to managing, you know, our food cycle and our human yeah. and animal ecosystem is um, the best way I can kind of simplify the Native American approach to uh, managing, yeah. managing an ecosystem with humans being involved in a food chain is um, approaching it as a closed system that there's nothing that leaves the process you know like how you're saying the way that we treat animals um recycle <clears throat> in, everything yeah in and in the in the system that we have now there's the idea that the way that animals are treated disappears that that Amen. that the way that they're mistreated, the way that they're uh, they have to live essentially lives of abuse, that that is that can be kind of uh, shuffled off, and that that humanity doesn't have to deal with that as long as you don't see it, as long as it's not in right. your face, as long as you're not engaging it personally, then it doesn't exist. You know, let that let someone else deal with that, but in the in the kind of more holistic Native American way of looking at it, like you were saying, if you eat the meat of those animals that had to live that kind of life, you're a part of that system. You're a part of that yeah. string of events, you know, in the, if you want to go into the Eastern way of thinking about it, 
there's a karmic attachment you have because of the the experience that that living thing had. And so for me, yeah. now <clears throat> at this point in my life, I'm at a I'm at a point where I'm kind of um, able. I have you know a, a good amount of our family's land that were that has a lot of deer and wild animals on it that I'm trying to manage in a really healthy way. And so when I harvest animals from, you know, my land or the places that I go hunt, I know that I'm not taking on anything negative as long as I know the type of life those animals led. And that when I was taking their life, I recognized the idea that there's that commonality between me and them, that we're all a part of the same conscious field, and that I'm having to take on more emotions, and I'm having to take on the intellectual understanding of what I'm doing because I'm a human. And that's our responsibility. It's not something to try to find a way to avoid like our purpose as humans isn't to try to find a way to eat and live without hurting anything <laughs> you know it's the way what we're supposed right. to do is be able to live our lives and accept that negativity accept and transmute the horrible things we have to do to live and we're you know because of our position in the metaphysical hierarchy, we're high enough that we have to suffer. We have to suffer the knowledge of what we're doing. We have to, we have to deal with the negative emotions that come along with being more aware than a dog is eating a mouse yeah. or a cat is tearing apart some little animal. Like mm -hmm. animals that are lower on the metaphysical food chain than us they have the luxury of not having to be aware of what they're doing. And so right. that that's the thing that I don't know how to explain to people that, you know, when I shoot a deer and I'm cutting it open and cleaning it, I feel it. I don't, I don't like it. It's not, I don't enjoy right. cleaning and gutting a deer. It's not something I find fun. You know, I, I feel, right. I do feel bad for the deer that I kill but that's what being a human is, is that you find yourself in this experience that you might not totally understand at first. There's parts of it that are painful or, you know, uh, that give you negative feelings. But hopefully, eventually, you have the perspective to understand that you're, you're an infinite, unbound being seeing through the lens of a human being. And that's why yep. we're in the position we are, because we have a connection to the divine. We have, a, we have a connection to that higher space. And that's why humanity is the focus of these non-human entities. That's why we get harassed. <clears throat> that's why we get targeted with possessions. That's why we're we're influenced. That's why humanity is important, because we are... On the cusp, we have the the potential to operate in a higher space. Yeah, well, and I to close out uh, 
with what you had stated uh, to understand that field uh, you know when you talk about karma and whatnot I like to circle back to the movie the men who stare at goats and the premise of that movie is that they train special forces soldiers to attain a certain level of enlightenment and uh, to the point where they were able to weaponize it by stopping the heart of a goat with the soldier's brain just mm. with its mind using its mind to stop that goat's heart and that if you understand that in the movie it claims that they were successful that there was actually one soldier now whether it was a coincidence and the goat had a heart attack whatnot point being is that it's documented to the pentagon that this ability was achieved and it was weaponized something that is supposed to be harmonious and unifying was weaponized by the pentagon Right. And if you understand that premise and you get that they were dabbling in what we have been talking about this entire time, and you understand how that pertains to animals and their well-being and the overall karmic retribution that the universe deals out, you know, in the form of afflictions, like I said, that we are experiencing now, uh, I'd like to circle this back to you, you, you were the one that brought up God. And uh, I want to close out by understanding and circling back to where these animals, how they're treated and how this comes into play in the spiritual realm for me personally, understanding that when I tell you that if you consume an animal that was not prepared correctly, did not live a, a happy life, whatnot, and I, like I said, it reverberates through you every, in every aspect of your very being, it's proven in scripture that Jesus Christ would fast before he would pray and that that was the key, the spiritual secret to his power was that, and he emphasizes that in order to cast out demons in these exorcisms that others were trying to perform, that there were these rare cases where these demons could not be cast out and that the way that jesus was able to do it was that he fasted he did not consume any food any meat fish whatever he did not consume anything and he fasted for 72 hours and in doing so if you understand what cannabis anointing oil was which was mm -hmm. the original anointing oil of jesus christ you understand that it gives you the munchies remember talking about how you treat plants and you know yelling at a plant and versus you know speaking nicely to it all of these things reverberate in a spiritual manner that circles back to that one testament that proves that that's how all of this is connected and that again the tenets of hinduism where they you know uh, worship a cow and you know the buddhist monks and their meditative states and fasting Again, these parallels, they're all the same. They're not coincidences. And when you connect these dots and you really start to wrap your head around it, again, this podcast, I will take great joy in listening to over and over again and taking notes so that I can add things that I'm missing because of, you know, like I said, just this, the sheer vastness of all of this and how it's all interconnected in mm -hmm. so many different ways and that I believe we did an outstanding job today 
connecting some of those dots. And I look forward to continuing on with this brother, because again, like I said, it wouldn't be possible without you in the first place <laughs> and your ancestors. So God bless all of you. Yeah. I'll, <clears throat> I'll give just the last uh, thought that I have from what you were saying was, um, uh, you know, the idea of using uh, fasting specifically as a tool for, um, times when you maybe have to do something that's more spiritually taxing or something like you were saying, yeah. casting out uh, negative entities. Um, what that triggers in my mind is the idea that, like I was saying, humanity in its base state is a spark, a shard, a piece of divinity, whole yeah. in and of itself, you know, um, whatever the divine field, the creator, the ultimate entity that we're a part of, you're never completely separated from it. And, you know, your, your individual experience as a human is overlaid on top of that original divinity that you originate from. So that idea of fasting um, is kind of a, you know, it's a process of lessening influences essentially and you know it's lessening the influences of these kind of different fields of karmic debt that we're all swimming in and things like fasting yeah and things like fasting or not just uh fasting with food but i mean mentally fasting you know going into periods yes. where you uh strictly control yeah you strictly control what you're taking in through your senses, even, you know, you could just call that meditating even, but those, yes. those uh, practices are meant to connect you with that base level of yourself that is always in connection with that divinity. And so, you know, most negative spiritual maladies and, you know, even mental illnesses can come from, uh, people getting lost in those overlays, having these things from their experiences and from their individual lives caking and encrusting over that original divinity that we're all originally coming from. Uh, anyways, I, I think we're at the end now, so I don't want to start up a whole new branch. I think we, uh, mm. I think we did pretty good for this episode. And uh, I really like to uh, give a big thanks to to you, Will, and to our our new weather girl for adding a lot to the show. She had to leave at some point, but uh, she she definitely was a part of this episode. And you know, she's a really yeah. she's a really valuable member of our team. We're we're slowly growing. You know, we don't. Um, we don't aggressively look for new people, but we, we attract the right types. I think when the, when the time is right. And so we're just going to, and I told her, I, well, I told her I wanted uh, to make it a point that uh, I promised we wouldn't make her do a rain dance uh, uh, or anything like that, that uh, she was in, uh, she was in full control when it comes to any aspect of that. And that, uh, you know, for me, there's, there's more to her being than, you know, there's more to, to, to this title of being the weather girl. She's our arms budsman. 
which is officially, you know, she, while we were discussing, you know, uh, various topics, she was sending us messages and, and whatnot in the, uh, in the uh, studio chat, which was outstanding. And, uh, and when I, you know, when I say she's the weather girl, uh, it's a euphemism for weather modification, geo, uh, you know, geothermal uh, implications involving, you know, the climate and, uh, you know, what that really means in juxtaposition to all of these other things that we were talking about. And uh, specifically, like I said, specifically weather modification, geoengineering uh, with chemtrails, all of these things that she uh, has a particular skill set uh, that I won't go into detail about, but that there's more to this than meets the eye by design. And uh, we just want our audience to understand that we are thinking about this to that extent, to that level, and that uh, and we wouldn't just make her the weather girl for any other reason than the fact that she is outstanding. And uh, I want to thank you, Dylan, for introducing her to uh, the team because uh, she really has provided uh, things uh, for us that uh, we would not be able to attain in any other way. And that is the teaser for the next podcast because uh that's where uh, she gets to flex herself and she will dazzle you i promise you that <laughs> all right well that sounds pretty uh that sounds pretty tantalizing so we might as well just end it there so this has been episode number four of nobody's news podcast and so you can find us on most major streaming services and youtube uh YouTube's still the main place for the video version. I don't know. We've, I think as anyone knows, uh, video hosting is a pretty complicated subject. You know, like we don't, I don't trust Rumble and BitChute these days anymore. So, um, yeah, just stay tuned. And like I said, nobodiesnews.com is the official website. Uh, you can find articles there, posts stuff on there you can find the link to our discord where you can go in and chat with people that follow the website or that's how you can also uh, come in and join in on the podcast for now that's the only way anyone can get in if you join the discord and just pay attention to whenever we do new episodes but uh yeah i'll let you have the last word will if you want to just give a last shout out well, I want to thank all of those who managed to listen all the way, <laughs> uh, all the way through this uh, episode, uh, and we appreciate your support. And uh, I want to thank, uh, <clears throat> I want to thank uh, our God up above for uh, giving us this opportunity. And uh, I pray for all of you uh, for peace, prosperity, and happiness. And uh, until next time. Be good or be good at it. <laughs> All right. We are out.